Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, I'm Alicia Rye. And I'm Sarah Wendell. Welcome to Love Struck Daily, where we deliver a love story every single day straight to your headphones. Today, we're going to talk about sex. Ooh. Sex in movies and TV. How does it work? What is the actual intimacy to make a really hot moment look sexy? What is going on behind the scenes? We are going to find out today. So I, I must ask, do you like sex scenes or do you fast forward? No, I, I watch them so long as they are, you know, important and pivotal to the story. I really, I love a good sex scene when it conveys something that yes. either the characters are going through or it, you know, is really mm-hmm. needed for the plot. And I think, I honestly think that's just a holdover from being a romance writer where that's, you know, one of the romance writing 101s, make it a part of the arc, make it a part of the story. I did an interview with Lisa Kleypas and she said that a good sex scene both starts something and causes a problem. Oh. Yeah. It should oh. it should create it should create a problem as much as it solves a problem. So if it's solving that. the tension between two characters, it should also create another problem. Do you have a favorite sex scene in a movie or a TV show? I do. I do. What is it? Okay. In the movie, Romancing the Stone. Oh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's fine. So if you if you go into a crowd of romance readers and authors and you say Romancing the Stone. Yeah, that's what that's the noise you get. The noise you get is it's, oh. oh, the grip that movie continues to have on us to oh. this day. Yep. 
And the scene in particular that I love is mm-hmm. there. The the covers are down to their waists. There is a side boob, mm. and I think Michael Douglas is lying on top of Kathleen Turner, and they are kissing in the bed. And the camera pans down to the floor, and he's been trying to get this map from her. And you see his hand reach in between the mattresses where he has hidden the map because he has already stolen it from her. And he very awkwardly tries to shove it back into the bag to give it back to her so that she will not know that he stole it. I mean, there was a lot of sexual tension that was being addressed in the sex scene, but also it showed that he was going to change the dynamic of their relationship and change how he was going to treat her. And I just love that scene so much. Yeah, 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 I remember it very well. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, it changes something. Seared in your brain. solves a problem and creates a problem all at the same time. I love it. Now, we have a very cool guest today. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to tell us exactly how these scenes get made. Please welcome intimacy coordinator Catherine O'Keefe. Catherine has worked on top Hollywood shows like Grey's Anatomy and The L Word and has just finished up work on the brand new Hulu show, Pam and Tommy. Please welcome Catherine. Yay! Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to talk to you. I am so excited to be here. I can't wait. So we got a copy of your resume, and I have to start off with this question. Most people hear the initials IPA and think beer. Yes. But you have a whole different set of initials. What is the IPA that is not the beer? IPA stands Intimacy Professionals Association. It is one of the major organizations that is geared around intimacy coordinators. It's sort of the more West Coast, LA-based one. Please tell me everything. Just start from the moment you were born and get us to this moment. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) What? I'm sure you get this question all the time, and I appreciate your patience with me. What is an intimacy coordinator, and how did you get started in the IPA that is not a beer? Yeah, for sure. Um, So an intimacy coordinator is someone whose job it is to make sure that scenes with simulated sex and nudity are being filmed in a safe and appropriate way. And sort of like as a side note, simulated sex is kind of a, a like not really the way it sounds as like a layman term. It's anything that is more than a passionate kiss. So anything with hands involved, we kind of class under simulated sex. Oh, Which I know like is not actually like what the word sounds like it means, but that's just how we handle the sort of like dividing line about whether the scene needs a contract and needs a closed set or kind of like all those union regulations fit into the scene or not. So anything, anything past first base, you're on board. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Okay. So how did you get started in intimacy coordinating? This is a, this is very cool because you hear a lot of horror (laughs) stories about production and you're here to make it all safe and choreographed in a way that is respectful. And this is so cool. Tell me everything. I had that sort of very Hollywood experience of I got into this because I was standing exactly at the right place at exactly the right time. So I, this was right after the Me Too movement. Um, So it was about, I would probably say about eight months after that. And I was working on a show that I don't think this is on my resume, so I think I can be kind of honest about it. It was a bit of a difficult show. It had a had a bit of a difficult culture. Whatever that was, they ended up hiring like one of, if not the first intimacy coordinator who was working in LA. And literally, I got into it because I was putting out bagels at a meeting, no. working a completely different job, and no one else would talk to this intimacy coordinator. Oh. So we just struck up a conversation. This woman, Amanda Blumenthal, who was the head of IPA, was interested 
in starting a training program. And she invented this training program for like five months. And then I was certified and I started working. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you do to make a person or actors feel comfortable and sexy on set? Like what kinds of communication happen in the intimate moments that you're creating? Generally, what I do is I talk to the director first and I get their vision for the scene that's kind of like as full as possible for what they have. And then I talk to the actors one-on-one and that's kind of a broader conversation. Like it's kind of a conversation about like, if they've done these scenes before, like if they have had like what kind of experiences they've had, you know, if they haven't like kind of like walk them through what it's going to look like. And then we get a little bit more in sort of like the specifics of like what their boundaries are. So we talk about the director's vision and like, I try to be somewhat specific because I think, um, you know, if I just walked up to either of you, probably people have thought about boundaries a bit. And I was just like, Hey, uh, what's your boundaries for a sex scene? Like that, like who could answer that? Like, that's like not actually very specific at all but like you can have a little bit more if you have a plan for the scene and then you're talking about like okay this is going to be a scene where like you know you guys are making out and some kind of head disappears down your body out of frame then it can be a conversation about like you know are you okay having your hair touched you know your neck kissed um you know sometimes people have like have on a very practical level like shoulder pain like is there anything we should like avoid to make sure like we're going to be filming this probably for a couple of hours at least I would say a pretty common one is a lot of people are very comfortable having someone kind of kiss down their chest, but don't actually want someone to necessarily like kiss their breasts. Like I think that's one that pops up every so often. So one of the things that is kind of interesting, if you want to get into the nitty gritty, is uh, nudity is very segmented on what you're allowing to be seen. So you can choose between like above the waist topless, which is your breasts, if you're a person who has breasts, or you can do side, which is like you can see the side breast, but absolutely no nipple. And then you can do the same for the rear. So it's like, you can be really quite segmented about what you're allowing to be seen. Um, you can also say like, I'll do topless nudity with like a sheer bra, but like, I want to take the bra off. Like that counts as nudity because it's sheer. So like, there's a whole bunch of like very kind of specific conversations to be had about like what is on screen. And it, it just takes a lot of work because like, you kind of have to, like the director has to know what they're asking for. And then the actor has to know like what they're okay with within that. And then you then find sort of like the alchemy of all those things to create this scene. Wow. I have a question. Yeah. So I know that actors have to wear like the, the sock. Yes. The little covery part. Yeah. Do you have to get those in a, in a, in like lots of different skin tones to match the actor's skin or are they like green screened out? Wow. Like, what, what a, what a like logistical good question. Yes. So this actually gets into some funny union stuff. So technically I do not provide modesty garments. Thank you. That's what they're called. I just said the sock. But yeah, well, modesty garments are like, jet, like there's different ones for different people. Um, technically it is actually the costumes department that provides those, but yes, generally um, they are I see. there to, they are, they, they try to match them to the actor's skin tone. Often it's not, it's not an exact science. Like they don't like hand dye it, but they're sort of like, you know, a spectrum. We shall make you into a Kendall standstill. <gasps> yeah. But actually that's a kind of a fun thing that it, so I know that the, the government, I believe like in kind of a famous case, there's that Supreme court justice who said like, you can't define porn, but like, I know what it is when mm-hmm. I say it. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, he was not a member of SAG. Technically, there is like a very clear line about when something is simulated sex versus when it veers into pornography. And that is, is that you cannot ever have an actor's genitals touch another person's skin ever. 
Um, so even if it's a non-sexual scene, so this came up on a scene I worked on a while ago where it was like a stunt. It was like a man running, like fully nude and getting tackled. So we still had to make sure that there was a way by the time he got tackled that he was wearing modesty garments be- so that like, you know, there wasn't like nothing like kind of rolled or like accident. You know, that there wasn't any accidental touching. <laughs> there was no shifting. Wow. That's so cool. Wow. Yeah. A little peek behind the peek behind yeah. the movie magic. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scene that you've coordinated by any chance or like a favorite, uh, you know, show you've worked? I'm not asking you to pick between your children or anything, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I think a scene that I just thought ended up looking really, really beautiful was in the second season of The Elder Generation Q. Just like mm-hmm. A little bit of a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but between Bet and Pippa in the, the art gallery, I really liked how that one turned out. I thought it was so gorgeous. Um, I think Jennifer Beals is someone who is very, very talented at these kind of mm-hmm. scenes. And I think more, like, I think the thing that actually after working with her, I always tell actors is that, like, desire is, like, what sells a scene. Like, the way you look mm. at another actor kind of ma- matters much more than, like, skin or even what your hands are doing. Like, it's all about how you look at that other person. Smoldering, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's how you kind of get them so to speak, in the mood. Like you, oh, yes. you want them like, oh, how do you feel sexy? It's yeah, I like that. It's like using your senses. Many a fanfic has been born on two characters looking at each other for 0.5 seconds on screen who never touch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, what do you do if actors are feeling uncomfortable? And I realize that a lot of your work is preparation so that that doesn't happen. Yeah. But how do you help someone feel in the moment and express that desire with looks and physicality when it is something that is also just part of the job they are doing that day. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think there's also like different layers to uncomfortable. So it's like, do you feel unsafe? Yeah. Yeah. yeah do yeah. you feel like a true, just like, ah, I feel a little like off or like, do you just feel like, oof, like this is awkward and like. This hurts my back. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think there are slightly different answers. Like what unsafe feels like and where is that coming from? It's, you know, can be very different things. And people are, when it comes to like how they feel about sex and their bodies, you can never make any assumptions about how, where anyone is with that ever. No, it's, you're so right. So like on a practical level, there are things I can do to make people more comfortable to like, you know, make sure people have water, make sure people have mints. Like there are a lot of rules on set that are around actor comfort that you can just make sure people are being enforced. Like one of them is like crew members aren't supposed to go in and reset stuff until like actors are robed up. Right. You know, like there's like little practical things you can really do. You can make sure that people know what to say if they need to stop filming. So they're not just like frozen in the moment. And then you can kind of keep an eye and see if anyone looks a little off and just check in on them. Obviously, that's a huge part of what I do. So like those are sort of like practical and comfortable things. I do think Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, these scenes are awkward. You know, like they're just awkward and you do feel nervous, like you feel vulnerable. I think that's a thing that is a little hard to get rid of completely. Is there a scene you've worked on where the chemistry was just like completely off the charts yes definitely but can you tell us about it or is this if if you can say we understand if you, you can. know it is one of those things like when i work with actors like they do tell me a lot of private things so i do try to err on the side of the cone of, course, of silence of but i will say there is there is one scene i worked on and i've worked on like 25 shows so i don't think anyone will be able to figure this out where I truly thought the couple like was actively dating. And then I found out later that people are like, no, no, they're just like best friends. And I was like, I don't think so. Like, I think they're dating. I never got any confirmation. So maybe Aww. they were just really, you know, they were staying in character. They were going method. Wow. What, what good actors they were then <laughs> if they weren't dating. So are there any other touches or gestures or things that have happened in a scene that 
come across on screen as very intimate, but that might not be in real life? Oh, that's such a great question. Okay, so I'm going to give you guys a little secret. As long as this like doesn't, uh, I hope this doesn't ruin sex scenes for anyone. People argue about this. To my mind, there's four types of sex scenes. There's romantic, there's horny, there's affectionate, and there's dominant. And generally, romantic sex scenes, you actually don't do a ton of touching of like what we think of as like erotic areas. It tends to be like a lot of really like long, slow touches, like a finger running down an arm, running down a back like you tend to re- it's like very like sort of almost like extensive long movements to get across that this is sort of like a very like like scene about people that are like falling in love and then if you're working on a scene where like the predominant feeling is like horniness then you want it to be much faster paced you want it to be a lot grabbier you want it to be like a lot often like vertical like you're standing up you're putting someone on a counter there's like an urgency to it Yes, right here, right now. I don't care if the bad guys are chasing us. We must do it in the stairwell. Exactly. And then if you're doing like affectionate is often like kind of somewhere in the middle where it's like people who know each other and kind of that urgent horniness and that urgent romance is gone, but there's a lot more laughter. There's often like maybe something goes a little wrong, like that kind of feeling of like these people know each other. And then like dominant, obviously you're playing with like power dynamics. But yeah, I would say, especially in like, if you watch scenes that like the, that what they're trying to hit on is romance is often they're not actually touching erotic zones very much at all. I never thought about classifying them that way. Now, like everything makes more sense to me in terms of movie scenes. What has being an intimacy coordinator taught you about real life relationships? And do you have advice for people about intimacy and communication? Yeah. So I would say from working on these kind of scenes that I think communication is really hard. Like I do think it is. And I think one of the things that I tell directors that I tell actors, and I would really advise for people in real life is that actually like the more specific you are, the more useful that conversation is going to be. Like if you Mm. are, you know, like maybe if you want to talk about sex with someone that you don't know well, or has been your, you know, spouse of like 20 years, just sort of being like, oh, like, what what are you interested in? Sometimes isn't like a specific enough answer. Like if you have something in mind, I have found even if a person doesn't want to do that at all, it like sparks a conversation. Like, yeah. So one of the things that happens all the time is directors will tell me like, oh, it just has to be a sex scene, but like whatever the actors are comfortable with, I don't care. Like, just like leave it to them, like in their boundaries. You know, I just want them to be comfortable. And I totally understand that impulse. I think it comes from a great place, but actually I don't think it's always very useful for actors because just being like, okay, go ahead, just do whatever you're comfortable with kind of leaves people frozen. Well, sometimes if you have more of a specific idea for a scene, even if the actors, if it's truly like a place where everyone feels safe and like this, like a creative place to like, you know, work in, then if you're like, okay, why don't we do this, this and this? How's everyone feeling about that? You know, what do you guys think? Right. That then leaves you oh, then something to bounce off of, something to be like, actually, let's not do this. Like, what about this? I think this makes more sense. And you can find something creative and interesting Well, I think it is much harder for most people to be like, okay, just do whatever makes you feel good. Go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and then you're like, then you're relying on an external definition of what you've seen in a sex scene or what you've seen is intimacy and you don't get to define it for yourself, which is part of what all the communication does. It helps you define it for yourself. Yeah. So like, I think if you're a person in a, in a relationship and you are interested in talking about like actual sex, I think one of the things that can be really helpful, even if it feels scary, is to talk about specific things in a smaller way to be like, oh, like, did that thing work? Like, and to give like Mm. feedback in a smaller way and to like actually talk about like specific things in a way, hopefully that doesn't feel too loaded, you know, that I think that specificity and just treating it as like a little bit smaller instead of sort of like a big referendum on like sex in your relationship. I think that can be really helpful, hopefully. 
That's amazing. Yeah, that's great advice. So when you're when you're watching movies and television, do you, do you find yourself examining the scenes from a professional perspective? Is this like an occupational hazard? Oh, absolutely. So because I am so <laughs> in the world of it, I can usually pinpoint what training program the intimacy coordinator came from from watching a sex scene. And I have not been wrong yet. Wow. Oh. That's so cool. And, like, it is. I am sure I'm super obnoxious because I'll watch like any scene with sex or nudity and I'll just like p- annoy probably my poor girlfriend to death because I'll just be like, that's what was in the, like their nudity writer. Like that's what was going on. OK, I want to watch lots of movies with you now. <laughs> I just want you to know. Like, I would love to get like a play by play breakdown of like some kind of maybe next time you can come and we'll do that. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking with us. I could seriously talk to you for like an hour. This is just fascinating. And I really, I really mean it. Thank you for doing what you do because it it makes me know that there is, you know, ethical care going on for the people who make the entertainment that we consume. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me. It's been so lovely. Yeah, we'd love to have you come back. I'm telling you next time we'll, we'll do a live watch along top sex scenes top sex scenes that we love yeah (laughs) yeah oh i would love that i learned so much during this conversation and before we go off with our day let's grab some love to go what is your takeaway from our conversation today alicia i think my takeaway is just that you gotta talk yeah oh yeah intimacy requires communication so you gotta you gotta just talk to each other yep And it's the best way to resolve any problems and to stop any problems from cropping up. And if you want to deepen the intimacy that you have, talking is a really good way to do that. Yep. We want to know what your favorite love scene is. Seriously, you you need to tell us because, I mean, we could just watch Supercuts on YouTube all day long. You can email us at lovestruckdaily at frolic.media if you have a love story or a love scene that you want to tell us about. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at lovestruckdaily, where if they don't block us, we'll share some love scenes that we love on our social media. You can leave a review, subscribe, spread the word. We want more love for everybody. New episodes of Love Struck Daily are up every day, Monday through Friday. Our researcher is Jesse Epstein. Our editor is Jen Jacobs. Our producer is Abigail Steckler and Little Scorpion Studios. Our behind-the-scenes hatcher of plans is Jillian Davis. And we are executive produced by Frolic Media and iHeartRadio. We wish you a very, very happily ever after today. Today.